welcome to the talk show for talkers on irishtalkers.com. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, Toastmasters, listeners and friends. You're very welcome to the talk show for talkers on irishtalkers.com. Our email address is info at irishtalkers.com. You can also find us on Facebook as the Talk Show for Talkers. And we look forward to your comments, your questions, your feedback. In fact, we regard this as evaluation. So we will analyze it. So forensically, so make sure you do it properly. You can also listen to previous shows on our website, irishtalkers.com. We also publish the Public Speaking Weekly, and this is a roundup of links from the internet, all about Toastmasters, public speaking, confidence, leadership, etc. So look out for the newspaper on our website. My name is Ted Melamphy, and I'm joined again this week by the prolific, persuasive, passionate Paul O'Mahony, Division A Director. Well, it's a pleasure, listeners, to be with you again. And in case you're wondering which which district I'm from, it's District 71. Well done, Paul. I'll have to remember that next week. And, of course, we also have the multilingual, multi-talented, mindful, motivating, magnificent Mar O'Brien. Well, now, Ted, I wish I was multilingual. Sadly, I was not brought up properly. My mother, her native language was Maltese, and she never let me, she never taught me any Maltese at all. So as a result, I am monolingual. Sadly, true. I'm just after coming up with a new word for you for next week now. We will also have our own, very, our very own Malteser, Myra (laughs) O'Brien. Well, guess what, Ted? Ever since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, I've had that rather poor joke. No, very poor joke. No extremely poor joke. I thought I was being very complimentary. (laughs) It's not everybody can have a Malteser. Ted, 50% 50 of the listeners were in stitches. (laughs) Absolutely in stitches. And the other 50% are stitched up. The other 50% are friends of Myra's. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. So on today's show, we have the usual mix. We will have a thought for the week, even though it's a bit convoluted today. It's, it, it doesn't look like a thought for the week, but it is. It's something that can be very thoughtful. We certainly will have an abject word for Paul, I'm sure, as his word of the week. We will have a lovely, it's not an interview, no, but we're going to give you a speech on segment two of the talk show for talkers and i'm sure you're going to enjoy that then of course on the third part we'll have paul and we have no idea what he gets into so we will have something on the third section from paul you have no idea what you're getting into and moira as usual will be giving us something that we can all look forward to body language and props so that should be good. And she'll be using she'll be using something in there which will be very beneficial to Toastmasters to be able to look at this and think about what Mara is telling us. So I'm going to give you what my it's not my thought for the week, but it is a thought for the week. Martin Seligman. He's known as the happiness professor. Google him, Martin Seligman. 
He has revealed that optimism is the most important quality you can develop for personal and professional success and happiness. It transpires that optimists have four characteristics all learned through repetition and practice. Firstly, they see the good in all situations. Okay, they see the good in all situations. Secondly, they seek the valuable lesson to be learned in each situation. So usually when you have a, a, a catastrophe or some kind of an event like that, even in, thing, even in times like that, there are things to be learned. Thirdly, they seek solutions. And fourthly, optimists think and talk continually about their goals. So I think we just need to look at the, 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 the four recommendations that he gives. First, they seek the good in all situations. Secondly, they seek the valuable lesson to be learned in each situation. Thirdly, they seek solutions. And fourthly, optimists think and talk continually about their goals. Any comments? Yes. In addition to optimists having those four tendencies, I want to say that gin drinkers always see the good in all situations after they've had a few good glasses of gin. Also, they take lessons out of every situation, even when they're unable to remember any of them. <laughs> Thirdly, they seek uh, solutions all the time for the difficulty of running out of gin. And fourthly, they talk about their goals, which is the next opportunity that they will have in order to enjoy gin. I think that there's a tremendous quotation and I'm not being paid by the Gin Drinking Association of, of the Northern Hemisphere. Just wanted to chip that in, Ted. Well done, Paul. Thank you for that, because I was just about to mention that this week's show is sponsored by Diageo. <laughs> the, gin, the, the, gin, the gin manufacturer. Ted, Ted, now come on. Toastmasters International does not <laughs> approve of sponsorship by drink companies on podcasts. Right, okay. Especially podcasts in District 71, because District 71 is the sponsor of the talk show for talkers, and it would undermine the connection between District 71 and our uh, leader, Jared Mannix, because he is a whiskey drinker. So right. it wouldn't okay. be fair. Well, that wouldn't be fair. You're, you're right. I'm glad you clarified that, Paul. I'm sorry if I stepped over the lane there, actually. Well, if our district public uh, relations manager was listening, she might be worried about the, the effect on our brand. Yeah, yeah, true. I'm glad, Jim. And that's something we have to be very conscious of, the brand, and we are so proud to live by that brand. Moira, any, any um, thoughts on that? About Martin Seligman's contribution? I had to uh, read it, Ted, because... Uh, it yeah, was it is a bit long. It, was, it mm -hmm. was quite difficult. But just reading it back, the thing that uh, strikes me most is what he says, it transpires that optimists have four characteristics all learned through repetition and practice. And it's the repetition and practice that resonated with me because I have absolutely no idea that that is how we become good at anything by repetition and practice. So good it doesn't, point, that doesn't apply good point, just to yeah. an optimist. 
Good point. And when I saw it first, actually, I was saying to myself that I thought optimist was a was a state of mind. In actual fact, you can teach yourself to become an mm-hmm. optimist. Yeah. You yeah. can look for the best, better in in any situation and always try and extract something from something. In other words, you can you can make a decision that you're going to feel down about what you see, but there's always a lesson to be learned. And I would say that it is in times of adversity that we actually blossom because we come to the fore. And I think this past year, we've had a fantastic demonstration of club members and clubs helping to motivate the hierarchy within Toastmasters to take on the challenges that we took on insofar as it would have been very easy to sit back and say, look, we'll cancel this year. We'll come back in 2021. But no, we didn't. We stuck to it and we said, we're going to put this on Zoom. We're going to put it online and we're going to see how far it takes us. And little did we know that we would all be visiting different countries of the world, meeting fantastic people, building fantastic relationships and all because of COVID. Yes, I I wholly agree, Ted. That's uh, it's very well put. Uh, something that uh, that I think of in one way or another every day because I have met so many wonderful people and connected, not just met but connected with and worked with so many wonderful people that I would never, in a million years, have yes. had the opportunity to connect with. Yeah, without the the prompting, let's say, of of going online. So yes, yeah, you're so was, right, Mark. And when you yeah. use the word "worked," what I would like to put in there also, along with "worked" and learned with other people. Look at the education we've been given over these past five months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With regards absolutely. how to use Zoom, how to upload certificates, yeah. how to put your yeah. stuff on. I think it's incredible. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And in fact, well, now I'm going, now I'm going to spoil the mood. And in fact, I literally <laughs> felt myself a minute ago like I'm running for the hills because the word of the week, which is what the listeners are waiting for, will uh, is totally in contradistinction with all this optimism and all this <laughs> good things that are going on. So I, I, I think as a builder on top of the mood that has been here, I feel myself to be an abject failure. <laughs> and the word I have for you this week, listeners, is one that you can use in that section of your communication where you're wanting to come across as a humble person, where you're wanting to say, you know, I've been an abject disappointment to my inner self. I really feel that I have let myself down. I didn't share my lottery winnings with everybody in the country. Anyway, back to the key point. I have a question about Moira and Ted around this word abject. And I'm going to tell you where it comes from in a minute. But first of all, let me spell it for you. A, B, you know, A, B, C, A, B, J, E, C, T. And it's absolutely not to be mixed up with the word object. So no connection, first of all. And if you're learning English, it's very important that you don't say to somebody, you're the abject of my desire. 
<laughs> don't say you're the object of my desire. Right? Very important. Say anyway, the abject. No, I want to know which of these two words entered the English language at the first uh, earliest and when. The word accused and the word abject. Very quick response, Ted. Fifteen hundreds. Moira. Fourteen uh, hundreds. Which was first, Ted? Accused or abject? Accused. Wrong. Moira? Abject. <laughs> Wrong. They both came in at the same time in the, oh. in the 15th century. Hey. That's no. not fair. That's oh, that's more than the 1400s. Yeah. Now, the key thing about abject is that it's an adjective. It's an adjective and it means to, to something that's very bad or severe. So if somebody has a pretty crummy sense of humor, and there are such people around, mm -hmm. maybe not too far away from us, you can say they have an abject sense of humor. Mm -hmm. the, the, over, the main use of um, the word abject that I think people use in ordinary conversations is to talk about people being in abject poverty. Yeah. John Milton, the extraordinary 17th century English poet, used the phrase, to lowest pitch of abject fortune thou art fallen. To lowest pitch of abject fortune. That means terribly miserable state. So you can talk about somebody being an abject failure. You can talk about abject, but you can also talk about somebody being an abject coward. You can say, you can talk about somebody who's been made abject by suffering. And you can, you know, if you're fighting a war and you're in charge of an army and you can make an abject surrender, uh, all these kind of things. So there's the word abject, 15th century word. And, but don't use it when making a speech to an international audience because Many of the people, including some of the judges, might mishear the word and they might hear you say object. And if they hear you say object instead of abject, they'll think that, ah, oh, there's a grammatical mistake. Mark you down a point. So I just want to say that there are some words which it's wonderful to use in your own local club where you have an opportunity over a cup of coffee later to explain to somebody in the break, you know, while everybody's zooming off to the, to the washroom, you can talk, you can explain what you meant by abject. But I wouldn't use it if you were a competitor. I'm not sure if that's a fair point to make, because frankly, it's up to you to decide whatever words you want to use. But I love the word because it's not a very common word. And a speaker who would use the word abject, especially if they weren't talking about abject poverty, if they were talking about abject something else, then I think uh, also be careful that you don't say that something is a, an abjective. An abjective <laughs> is different from an adjective. So all of these fine distinctions are worthy ones to remember because I would say perhaps 20% of the total membership of Toastmasters, being very conservative, has joined Toastmasters in order to become better at communicating in the English language. But I think it's a powerful adjective, Paul, particularly with, when it's put before poverty, but you'd also hear it misery, <coughs> abject misery. So it really gives 
feeling to, to how dire the situation is or was. Moira used to do a section on rhetorical devices. And one of the, I'm not sure, yes, one of the rhetorical devices is to put together two words which uh, are strange bedfellows. So you could talk about abject luxury. It was in abject luxury. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, uh, there's some word for that. I'm not sure if it's uh, litotes or whatever it is. One of these words I could never remember. But, uh, and I won't put Moira on the spot, but abject. So perhaps this has been an abject segment today. Well, but I hope, it's been, I hope it's been a good object lesson. Well, I'm in abject uh, despair that we have run very much over time and therefore we'll have to bring this little segment to a close and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow when we'll be bringing you none other than the World Championship of Public Speaking winner to 2020 Mike Carr The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website, irishtalkers.com, for more information.